right. Jonah chapter. All right. All right. There we go. You know, <clears throat> got to test you guys a little bit. You know what I mean? Jonah chapter four. Man, it's been cold outside, hasn't it? Goodness. Kids got an hour late this week. A little ice. They're pretty excited about that. All right, so as y'all are finishing turning up to Jonah chapter 4, let me just remind us kind of where we're at. I, I, I really like this chapter because in this chapter we're going to really get to see kind of the heart of Jonah exposed like we haven't yet. Like we have these bits and pieces, we've seen the things that Jonah's done, but now it goes really deep. And so I think a question for us today is an opportunity for us to examine our hearts. Like seriously, like I know Pastor examine your heart no like really like examine our hearts exam like us to like sit back and i've been reflecting on it a lot this week about the way do i have the heart that god has for the lost do i have the heart that god has for the nations right are there places in my heart that are actually hard and i'll kind of we'll dive in deeper on some more of that as we go along but do i have god's heart cuz God had called Jonah to go to, and I want to, I don't know if I've really hit on this, Nineveh was a wicked city. You know what I mean? Like, there was evil. Like, think about the most wicked city you can think of. Think of, like, I'm sure there was corruption and murder and um, all kinds of just evil that was going on there. It was so evil, it was like Sodom and Gomorrah. It was so evil that God was like, okay, justice is time. Like, God is a just God. It's time for them to be destroyed. Sometimes I, I, I don't know if we... I think this is one of the reasons that Jonah wants it to be destroyed because they deserve to be destroyed. It was that city that's full of evil. When we recognize the deep evil there, hopefully today we'll also recognize the amazing compassion and mercy, what we've been singing about that God has poured out. But he has Jonah, of course, go and be called. Jonah runs away completely the opposite direction. Even though Jonah does this, I'm going to reiterate what I said last week. Even though Jonah runs away from his calling, God said, I'm not revoking your calling, Jonah. <laughs> and that, just, that really hit me last week, and maybe that's again for some, someone or some folks here this morning, like, just because you've ran away or just because you've ignored it doesn't mean that God said, you know, your call, yeah, I'm going to take away that calling. You don't have to do that anymore. No, that God still has it. And for some of us, that's joyful because maybe we feel beat up that man i didn't do it I've, I've not been faithful with this god didn't say well you stink now you don't have to do it anymore no it's something that god has for us and we know as a church as the church that we're called to be a light right right here we're called to be a light where we're at we're called ambassadors we're called representatives of christ's kingdom we get to release to people the, the knowledge and show what it, what it looks like to live in communion with God, knowledge of the kingdom and what it looks like to live with God. We're called to make disciples of all, all these things. We have all kinds of callings. As a church, in the word, we know the things that we're called to do, right? Right? Okay, let's go. We're not released from that because we don't want to or we don't like it. Jonah didn't like what God told him to do. The cool thing is, is whenever we walk in those, the calling that God has for us, 
it uh, really sets people free. And there's a lot of really amazing things God wants to do through us. And I think it's just incredible. I'm going to start by reading the last verse 10 in chapter 3, and then we'll go into this. But as we learned last week, Nineveh completely repents. <laughs> How many times did God send prophets to Israel and Israel killed them, stoned them. Even Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right? He wept over Jerusalem saying, you stone the prophets. My people that when I speak a word and I bring people, the people who are supposed to know God more than anyone rejects what they say because who, but they did receive some prophets, the ones that told them the nice things, right? You go, <laughs> oh, well, you know, prosperity and all these, oh, okay, yeah, we like that. But if God had a word of correction, Every word God gives isn't correction, this and that, but if God had a word, and when he did, often Israel rejected it. This pagan city that is full of all kinds of evil, Lord knows what's going on at two or three in the morning in that city. Here's a word from God, totally repents, humbles himself, sackcloth and ashes, doesn't eat, doesn't feed their animals, weirdly put sackcloth on their animals, like they're saying, God, we submit ourselves, our uh, economy, everything to you. That's what happens. And then verse 10, chapter 3, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, so it wasn't just that they cried out or prayed, it was because they actually turned, they actually changed, true repentance, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had <clears throat> said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. You would think that this would be a preacher's dream. I walked through a city for three days, and I proclaimed, you know, I mean, that was a hard call, but the whole entire city came to know <laughs> Yahweh or calls upon God. Uh, you would think a prophet would be like, man, this is a dream scenario. Elijah's like, man, come on. What are you thinking, Jonah? Jeez, man. I've got Jezebel people chasing me. We've got people repenting, and you're over here. Well, we'll see what he does about it. You would think that he would be excited. You'd think that he would be excited that these evil people are turning away. And yet, verse 1 in chapter 4 says, But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. That word angry means like snort from the nose. So, like, Jonah is like, he's pretty furious here. He's going to have a little, little temper tantrum with God. You all, you, you all remember the last time you got real angry about something? Come on. I know some of y'all are like, yeah, it was this morning, actually. <laughs> Especially with the spouses and stuff. Me, me never. Not, never with me and Larissa. We never get upset or angry with each other. But Jonah's angry, man. He's, he's furious at what takes place. Instead of him rejoicing with what God has done, we're going to see that Jonah decides to sit in the judgment seat himself. Instead of letting God be the just God and trusting that he is just in all of his ways, Jonah decides, I'm going to sit in the seat of judgment. I'm not only going to judge Nineveh, I'm going to judge God. <laughs> you're wrong, is basically what he's telling God. He's basically telling God, you're not just in this scenario. You screwed it up. You missed it, God. It says he became very angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled Tarshish at the beginning. So here he goes in a rage. God, I told you, this is why I didn't want to go there. This is why I jumped in a boat and I fled to Tarshish. 
Because I knew it. I knew it, God. I knew they were going to repent. And I knew that you were going to be merciful. And you were going to forgive them. They deserve it, God. You screwed it up. It's basically what's going on. Nice guy, huh? It's easy to look at Jonah and go, oh man, what an idiot. I mean, I'm just being real. Like, I mean, come on. It's, got, it's like comical, actually, right? You ever do something so dumb that you just laugh at yourself, though? None of you? I do that all the time. I'm like, what in the world was I doing? Right, Larissa? Maybe some people have a harder time laughing at themselves than, than others. But it's almost comical, again, how he acts. Let's not read about Jonah and just go, well, that pathetic Jonah. Let's ask God if there are places if our, in our hearts that are similar to what Jonah had in his heart. So as we, as a church, become increasingly missional, right? That's what we're, we've been praying about. We've been listening to Holy Spirit. How can we become more of a light in the community? We have been doing things, but Lord, where are other places where we can together as a family work and do things? As we do that, let's prepare our hearts and ask God, are there any hard places in our hearts, God? Like, Jonah did not care for this people group. They were pagans. They worshiped false gods. Let's just be real. Like, think of, I just want you to think about that. Are there, and ask yourself, are there any people groups that you just would have a real hard time letting God, minister, letting you minister to them? If God calls you to a certain group of people, would you be like, mm-mm, not those people, God? Like, I thought, like, I immediately thought, nah. But then I started really diving deep in my heart and going, let me just think about this, you know? And when we talk about other religions, I remember when the mosque came to Murfreesboro. How long ago was that? 20, I don't maybe 20 years ago? I don't know. I'm going to tell you, I would love to tell you that in my sphere, now I'm sure there's other spheres, that Christians were getting together and going, man, how can we show the kingdom to these people? How can we show them the truth and love them? Instead, it was, I hate them. Get them out of here. They're another religion. See, was there some Jonah in the hearts there, right? Like, get them. No, they don't deserve it. They've messed it up. Like, do we have any of that in our heart? Instead of, how can we reveal what God's telling, calling us to reveal? How can we go and just, God, do you have a word? How can we speak to these people? How can we love these people? You know? Maybe it's like a generational thing. Let's be real, right? Let's just pick on the millennials. We love to pick on them. The millennials stink. They're lazy. They're entitled. Goodness gracious. What if God called you to millennials? Do you have a hard place in your heart? Or we can flip-flop that and go, them boomers, they don't understand us. You know, they think they understand everything. They don't understand us. Then it really got hard for me as I started, started asking myself and I started really thinking, what about alcoholics? Like, alcoholics, like, I know what it's like. My grandfather was a major alcoholic. Praise God, he sobered up at the end of his life. He died in his 60s, though, because it had ravaged his body. I see the effects of my mom and her sister, sisters and brothers that it still kind of is there. So I know that there's tough things and traumatic things that we go through, but have, I just want you to ask yourself, has that created a hard place in your heart, right? Is it drug, drug addicts, you know, whatever it may be? 
are there places where I go, I just, I can't go there, God. Let's go to my favorite place. Is it Republicans? Is it Democrats? Don't pretend. I know, I know believers that, I'm going to tell you, they're going to say they don't. They hate people in the other party. Straight up. Like, not even I hate their policies. Like, I really wish something bad would happen to them. They'll never admit it. But the way I hear their, the tone in their voice. And I, I felt like God was speaking when I meditated on this and said, what if the people that you hate is the people God's actually calling you to and that's why you hate them? Like, there's something Satan, the enemy, has done to blind you. Guess what? The people Jonah hated, God said, I'm calling you to them. He hated those people. So what if there's those hard places in our heart? Maybe it's not just hate, but maybe it's just, man, that would be tough. But it's there, and God's actually saying, it's because I'm calling you. I want you to have compassion and mercy and release my compassion and mercy to those people. Jonah's angry. I stopped in the middle of a verse, but I want us to like really go through this little thing slow. Just, just meditate on this. I really have meditated on the second half of this verse a lot this week. He says, that's why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. And he says, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful. You're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. I'm going to read that one more time. This is who God is. Isn't this incredible? I knew that you are a gracious God. God is gracious. That you're and merciful. Slow to anger. Jonah's in a rage. God is slow to anger. Abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. Some of us need to hear that about our own lives. That's not what... <laughs> but there's some things that we have done in our lives we has anyone done something really dumb in your life raise your hand if everyone if you don't raise your hand i'm telling you okay jeez see i should have said let's all look around we've all done dumb things let's all make sure someone didn't keep their hand down but oftentimes we allow those things in our life to really paralyze us whenever we hear that god if we've repented, if we've really changed, he is ready to, he is willing, he is waiting to relent. It's like as a parent, how many times, like, do you not want to punish your kids? But hey, punishment does need to come sometimes, but you're just like waiting, please, please just stop. Like, like Jonah, like I love him. There he is. He gets into these rages sometimes. And I'm like, bro, you're going to make it worse. I don't want to punish you for another day. Just please don't. And I'm, my heart is breaking. I want to say no. I don't want it to happen. But he just does it again, right? And then when he doesn't, I'm like, yes, awesome, cool. God is ready to relent. He's ready to relent to a people of pure wickedness. I mean, I want you again to think of the evil things that were taking place. You know, the sexual promiscuity that was in the city. The stabbing each other in the back that was going on. The, the theft that was probably happening in the city. All this evil, God was just waiting, just hoping that they would repent so that he could release that forgiveness to them. Isn't that awesome? I mean, like, even here in our city, like God is, like, he is waiting. He is waiting to release that 
through us. He, he chose us, by the way, to do it. We, we can sit around and say, God, do it. No, he's like, no, I chose you. I'm in you. Go do it. He's waiting. There's people in this city that are full of all kinds of wickedness that just need to hear the message. These people, I'm telling you, these people just didn't know. They just didn't know. There are people in our city that just never grew up hearing about God or maybe grew up hearing about it but never saw a relationship lived out, right? Maybe they saw it as something cold. That literally are doing wicked things, and I said last week, those type of people are often the ones that are the most amazing people for the kingdom of God. When they, get, when they, when they hear that message, God's love and forgiveness, desire to forgive them, changes their life. Whether we realize it or not, oftentimes we judge people before we even, before we even talk to them and say, nah, that person doesn't want to know the Lord. I mean, I've done that. Let's just be real, right? Like, man, they do that and that. Ooh, there's no way. How do you know? Right? I love that God is merciful, slow to anger, ready to relent, gracious. By the way, you know what he's quoting? This makes this even, there's a bunch of like these ironic, these crazy moments in this like section right here, okay? This is whenever Moses says, God, show me your glory. And God says, okay, I will. You can't see my face as I pass by. And as God passes by Moses, this is what God says about himself. So this is, this is not just Jonah's words. Jonah's quoting God's words that as he passes by Moses. But you know what's even crazier? Do you know the context of that? The context of that is Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the commandments while what is Israel doing? Partying, making a golden calf, going crazy. They know the true God. Israel supposed to know the true God. And instead, because Moses has delayed, they've created a golden calf and they're worshiping it. Moses goes back into the mountain. Think about this. Uh, he's going back, and in the midst of them slapping God in the face, he quotes this about himself. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it incredible that Jonah's okay with God doing that for Israel, but he doesn't want him to do it for other people? God, I love that you're just gracious and slow to anger. I'm glad you did it to the Israelites, you know, to us, God, so awesome. Just don't do it to Ninevites because they don't deserve it. You think that Israel deserved it? <laughs> After that, oh, Jonah, Jonah. But again, is there any of that in my heart, God? All right. So he says, and now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So not only is he angry at the Lord, he's deeply depressed. Like, he's just like, you know what, God? I don't like this calling that you have in my life. I don't like what you're doing. You might just, just let me die. He's going to mention let me die like three times, three or four times in this passage. So this isn't something that he's just like, uh, I just got in a rage and said something. No, I mean, he's like really serious. He's like, yeah, I'm not, I don't, don't want to do it anymore. And I know that we don't go to those extremes, but I wonder as we feel that call and we know the call that God has for us, would we say things like, hey, I'm just not going to go to that church anymore, God. I'm out. You know, Jonah was like, I'm done. Like, would we say, no, yeah, that's too much. I like it. I like church the way I've always done it, you know? What happens if as we go out and we're 
you know, some of the people at Mitchell Nielsen or maybe some of the parents from inner city come and they're not the type of people that we're used to having. Are, are we, I think Stones River is one of the most welcoming, if not churches that I've ever been a part of. But are there types of people that we're going to be like, oh, I don't know. Ugh, I'm out, God. I'm out on this one. I'd rather not. Have we said I'm out to God's call already, right? Like we are called to be a light. We are called to go. Have we told God already, eh, I, I'm not into this. And it says in verse 4 that the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? I love this. Jonah's in a rage. You ever like watch someone in a rage and you actually have clear mind? Like oftentimes they draw you into it, right? Like they're in a mad, yo, I'm getting mad too. But like you ever just kind of, you know, you just kind of smile a little. You try not to because you know it's going to make him even more angry. But God just seems so level-headed. You know, Jonah's going on about, I want to die. You said you're gracious. I mean, you're gracious. You're merciful. You shouldn't have done this, God. All these things. And God just kind of stands back and lets him have his little tantrum. And then he says, hey, Jonah, if you want to be in the judgment seat, why don't you judge yourself? Is it right for you to be angry? You're, gonna, you're judging me? You're, you're telling me? And how many times do we ever do that, right? It's easy to judge others, and sometimes we forget to. That's why Jesus had to say that whole, you got a dang plank in your eye when your brother's got a speck in his, right? Because sometimes it's easy to look at others and different people groups and stuff and cast judgment whenever God's like, hey, why don't you check yourself? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Jonah doesn't respond. He stomps away angry, it looks like. <laughs> Is it right? It says, Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there and sat under in the shade waiting to see what would become of the city. So Jonah kind of stomps away, angry to God, doesn't answer this question this time about are you is it right that you're angry goes out and he's going to see what happens to Nineveh he makes a a booth a sukkah and this is kind of interesting because when you read the scriptures through the lenses like the people who read this first were who the Israelites and when they heard that Jonah went out of the city and made a sukkah a booth it would have immediately made them think about the the feast of booths sukkot and if you go to Israel even today, during this feast, it's a fall feast, there, everyone makes these outdoor, you know, um, little, I don't know, you put up a canopy or whatever, and you live in them. Most of the time now, they don't do that. Most of the time now, they just go have dinner and spend a lot of time. Sean had one at his house, or he has one every year. I get to go. And I've, I've spent time in that. But it's a celebration of the harvest, but it's also a celebration, the reason they have booths of reminding them of the years in the wilderness. That's why they make booths. It's a remembrance that God rescues out of slavery. And so what's so ironic here is that the Israelites are called to, to set up booths and remember and praise God and celebrate to God this rescue out of slavery. Jonah's making a booth to pout that God is rescuing people out of slavery. Instead of celebrating, He's moaning about it. And they would have said, what are you doing? But God is using this story to speak to the Israelites and to speak to us and say, is there areas where we do this? This should be a moment of celebration. Instead, it's anger, frustration. 
So God teaches a story with an illustration, teaches Jonah. It says, the, the Lord appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give him shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. So first of all, you're building your little shelter here, and they don't have air conditioning. So finding a nice shade tree or a bush is a godsend. And this was a godsend, right? Like, heck yeah, this is awesome, man. I found this great shade. I've set up this, this booth, this Sukkot, and Sukkah, I mean, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit under it. Wow, this is good shade. Yes, all right. I'm going to sit here comfortably while I watch. Maybe, maybe Nineveh will, will decide to not repent and go back and get destroyed. You know, who knows? Verse 7 says, When dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. You know, hey, God's got a sense of humor. And God, hey, when God wants to get our attention, he'll get our attention. You know, it's just real. He takes this bush away from Jonah. Not only does he take that away, he sends a worm to eat it. It withers. He's like, well, all right, east wind, let's start blowing. Oh, yes, son, let's just really beat down hard on this guy. Sometimes God has to do that to get our attention. You know that, right? Did it ever happen to any of y'all? <laughs> just being real. Sometimes some people act like God wouldn't do some things, put us in tough situations so that he can get our attention. Yeah, he does. It makes Jonah so mad that he once again says, and so frustrated, he asked that he might die and say, it's better for me to die than live. I wonder if he thought about Elijah like a hundred years before or something. Who, but Elijah was being chased and persecuted and he went out into the wilderness and said, God, just let me die. I'm sure the Israelite people would think about that when they read this, but then go, but Jonah's not getting chased. He's not, Jezebel's not after, Jonah's mad because they're repenting? What? And so now God is going to explain this lesson that he's teaching Jonah. He said, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? So he once again says, sit in that judgment seat, Jonah. Go ahead. Judge. Tell me, is it right for you to be mad about the bush? He actually responds this time. And he said, yes, angry enough to die. I don't know if I would have liked Jonah a whole lot. I just, I don't know. He just, like, man, that dude's fiery I guess there's probably some those places in my heart you know he's angry enough to die so this is the third or fourth time actually that mentions the word I'm just, just kill me God like this is it's crazy then the Lord said you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor which you did not grow it came into being in a night and perished in a night and should I not be concerned about Nineveh that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals. You know, God cares about the animals, right? He created them. Like we're not called to abuse them and stuff. We're called to what? To steward the earth, take care of his creation, you know? This is huge. Jonah, did you plant that seed for that bush? No. Did you water that seed, Jonah? No, I didn't do any of that. Did you take care of that at all? Did you do anything to create that bush? No, I didn't. 
And yet you have more compassion on this that you didn't create, you didn't do nothing, than you do on this city of 120,000 people. God would, you know, say to Jonah, Jonah, I knew all 120,000 of those people. I knew the day, I was there the day they were born. I was there when they were, when they, I knew them in the womb. I watched them, Jonah, take their first steps. Jonah, I heard them say their first words. Jonah, I've been with them in the most joyous moments of their life. Jonah, I've been with them when they've suffered and had and just cried out. I've been with them. Jonah, he's, I care for these people. I know every hair on their heads. God is saying the same thing about the people here in our city. You understand that? He cares so much for them. He knows everything about them. And I was really wrecked. I just get so wrecked when I, when I think about how important every single person is. Every person in our city. I, I, I remember when I was young and I learned a lesson. I was like 18 or 19. Uh, and I've had many of these moments since. But I remember being at the rescue mission in Nashville and I think I was like filling drinks and just going around and doing this and saying hi and being nice to people. And the guy goes, come, come, come over here. And so I'm like, hey, cool, man. And we sit down. He wants to share his story with me. And at like one point in the midst of this, he's like, I just want to tell you that I'm really, I struggle with drugs. And I'm not trying to make excuses, but I want to let you know that a lot of us have gone through some tough stuff, man. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I watched my brother shoot himself in the face right in front of me. And I remember whenever I heard that, it just like the Holy Spirit, God just went, man, everyone has stories. People have gone. Some people have gone. We don't even know the, 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 the family environments that a lot, of the, a lot of people have grown up in, right? Abusive environments, potentially. You know, we don't know the friends that, that they got to know and that really, you know, influenced them. We don't know the hardships of, you know, some of us don't know the hardships of, parents dying early many of some of us do know what that's like like we don't like and like it's so easy for us to just go oh yeah and write off people right it is it can be but like everyone in this city has a story and god cares about everyone in the city god is literally ready to relent from punishing can't wait to pour his grace and mercy on anyone and any of these people who just turn back to him that turn to him and you and I get the honor of playing a major role in this. So just check our hearts. Let's check our hearts this morning and ask God, um, Holy Spirit, I ask right now that if there's any places of hardness in our hearts, that you would bring revelation to us. Like you would just reveal that to us right now, Lord, whether it's a, a whatever it may be, God. And I ask, Holy Spirit, we need you to heal those places. And I ask that you would begin to take that, those hard places and that they would just become so soft. And I, and I ask right now that you would instill in, instill in us your heart for our city. That with the passion that you wrote, that, that you care for all 120,000 of these Ninevites, even though they're in complete wickedness, but that you care for every, that you care for them. God, I pray that you would help us to see our city through your eyes. 
and that, Lord, that this week when we come in contact with somebody new and maybe we're quick to judge or to assume, that, Father, that you would remind us that, that there's a story behind that person's life. And that if we would do more than just, Lord, if we would allow them into our lives, if we would stop and actually talk to them and, and, and care for them and reveal your kingdom to them, it might totally change their lives, God. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Let's take a few minutes, moments. I didn't do it last time. Stay up here. If you can just give a little, you know, a little strum. Um, to, we've been taking a couple minutes to just be still before the Lord. Um, and if God puts something on your heart to share, we're going to do this because we are a body. And it's not just about the preacher preaching. It's about the body coming together and together hearing the Holy Spirit speak to us and encouraging one another. So let's just, uh, let's just be still for a couple minutes here and I want to testify right early on that he felt called to another country. And when we started dating, he asked me, he said, do you think you can go to a foreign country? And my answer was, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, we, we moved to a foreign country with our 17-month-old baby, Anna. And I left my family that I was very close to. And I don't know, Greg, we were there probably at year three. And I stink at Spanish. And if you meet Greg and me and know us, I am the more outgoing one of the two of us. So I joke, I joke that God wanted to shut me up. He, I needed to listen. But I just want to, I just want to tell you, I found, I, I keep prayer journals and I have journal entries where I just said, why God? Like, I feel like I've done everything you've asked me to do and I come all this way and I'm done, you know? And uh, that's so selfish. Um, and we, we've, we've been singing a song that's one of my favorites. If you say go, I'll go. But one of the favorite one of my favorite parts of that song is your ways are higher than my ways. Um, because we don't understand. We don't understand his ways. And I, we have so many other stories of our mission work in Peru and where we failed over and over again. And it was so easy to just be like, forget this, we're done. Um, so my testimony to you is we have so many stories of faithfulness of God. And he took a girl that couldn't speak Spanish very well. And I ended up teaching and leading library program there in Peru, which I'm very, very proud of to this day. But it's, it's all God because <laughs> I was so, you know, just little and couldn't do it, I didn't think. So I just want us to remember that as we try to go into Mitchell Nielsen, as we reach out in our community. Like, it's easy to go forget this. Like here, look at all the stuff we've done. Look at all the prayers we've prayed. And we thought his ways are higher than our ways. So I just I felt like I should share that. Thank you for sharing that. You reminded me to just very briefly, I was going to share with you. There's a guy that Seth and I started doing a discovery with, and it just 
Sometimes when I get these big visions, like I want to reach the city and I want to reach the world, and I forget to celebrate the, 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 the person whose life's being changed. And I say this too because I know that a lot of y'all are praying. I've got a tech, if anyone ever wants to be part of a text group that I have that I send like, hey, I'm going to do this. If you want to be praying, just let me know and I can put you in that. But I know there are people in here that are praying, but there's a guy, that um, young guy, about 19 years old, and he started doing a discovery study. He didn't know really anything about God. Uh, this week he said, Seth's been trying to get him, like encourage him to pray. And he's terrified, scared of it. Like, just doesn't want to pray. Like, I don't know how to pray. Like, this is so, like, many of us grew up in Sunday school, right? So we, this idea of not knowing how to pray is so, you know, that's, I don't understand. But, like, he's afraid. But he said this week, he said, I started praying. And he said, I I want to let you know that I also read the first 15 chapters of Genesis all on my own. We're doing this thing called body and spirit. It's like, it's a gym thing for gym guys. And he said, I started reading a chapter so I could edify my spirit before I go into the gym. Every day before I go into the gym, I sit out in my car and I read a chapter. And this guy has never, he's never done this in his life. And I just, I just want to praise God and thank everyone for the prayers that are going out there. Like, we really, really can make a difference. God can use us to change people's lives big time, y'all. And it's hard. And you're right, Megan. There's so many times I'm like, I'm just done. I've been going for, you know, a year and, I, and this X, Y, or Z, you know. And it's just like, what's going on, God? But when you start to see the transformation happen in some people's lives, you go, it was so worth it. <laughs> it was so worth it. As we sing this song, I want to tell folks on Zoom, stick around. I know you almost all stick around to the end. But I have a, we're going to, Julie is going to come up after we're done with this song and share. Um, and she, Julie is amazing. And she's going to share about some opportunities. I've had, like Matt say before, John, you tell us to go and let's do these things. But I need to know some very practical ways to help. I need pencil to paper, John. Stop saying go reach the city and you're not giving me a practical step. And he's right. Like there's been times I've done that and I haven't. And that's my bad. It's kind of like I learned. Like that was stupid. Okay. Now learn from that. There's going to be some practical steps for us to be able to take, and Julie's going to share a few of those, so, so stick around.